Just Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Colby Olson. As always, joined by Clay Snowden. Mr. Snowden, this is our first episode of the second half, or I guess pre-second half. So in doing that, we're going to talk about second half fallers and risers and who we think is going to perform above what they did in the first half, guys who we think are going to fall off from what they did in the first half. And we're going to talk about a ton of names today. Um, I am recording from a new place today, Clay. I am in San Francisco. I'm in a hotel room. But going to my first Oakland A's game on Friday night, they face off against the Twins. You know what? And a piece of fantasy news here, though. I am actually very excited for this game because um, Tyler Soderstrom is going to be making his debut. And let me pull up his numbers real quick. Zach Geloff as well. Zach Geloff. But what... Tyler Soderstrom has been doing in the minor leagues is pretty insane. I mean, he has 20 home runs in 69 games this year. And I know that Vegas is a launch pad. So if you look at his numbers, he has an 85 WRC plus. It doesn't look that amazing on the surface, but he has so much power. I'm very excited to see what he can do with Oakland and, you know, somebody to keep an eye on at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. And I just got back from a trip to Boston where I went to Fenway for the first time and um, I was talking to my buddy, and I believe you know Nick Kirby, uh, who also went to Fenway. We both said the same thing. It's the first time that we've ever felt like jealous of another fandom. Like I, I like we both said, like, damn, dude, I kind of wish I was a Red Sox fan growing up because this place is just so freaking cool, and um, the whole vibe around Fenway. And obviously, Colby's a big Red Sox fan, so it's no news to him, but. Uh, we loved it. Went to the game Friday night, came back and did the tour on Monday uh, j- just to get another look at it. So a cool spot. I mean, uh, you know how Michelin star or Michelin does their guidebook for restaurants, right? And they rate restaurants based on a one through three star scale. So like a one star Michelin restaurant means, you know, if you're in the area, you should go there. A two star means if you have to drive, you know, three to four hours you should go do that trip to see that restaurant to go to that restaurant if a restaurant is three stars then you should travel to go do that so meaning if that's a flight around the world if that's a flight you know 12 hour flight you're getting on that plane to go to that restaurant because it is that good of an experience and i legitimately think that fenway park and and wrigley field as well are that special that any baseball fan should save up money to go do a trip to Boston or to Chicago and go to those stadiums because it it really is. It's like traveling back in time and, and it's baseball at its most pure and the fan bases are just so amazing. And yeah, Fenway is a special place, man. I've been in 21 stadiums, all of the big ones now. Um, that would be considered near the top of the list. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Fenway is my number one. I think it's above Wrigley and... Um, I just loved it. What's but, number hey, what? three for you? Before we get into the episode, I want to hear what number three is. Oh, I don't really have them all in order. Um, like mentally, I just know Fenway's my favorite. Okay, um, I think Petco Park is the is the top park of the new ballparks, and I would recommend it. It's that so funny you say that because my my wife has gone with me to a lot of these, 
And she obviously doesn't know anything about the, the history or whatever. So she's just basing straight off of a, a blind person's review. And Petco's her favorite with Fenway being number two. So we do want to talk about fantasy baseball today. Yeah, so we'll, we'll do that. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start off talking about second half risers. So guys that, you know, may have underperformed a little bit in the first half. Maybe they did perform well, but we think they're going to perform even better in the second half. So, Clay, I'll throw it over to you first. I want to hear your first hitter or pitcher, whatever you want to do. Jump right into it. I'm going to go with Francisco Lindor. Um, right now he's slashing 239, 324, 78. Now he has... 19 home runs his iso is the highest it's been um he's parts of his game are looking like the cleveland francisco lindor and it just hasn't picked up yet a uh, 254 babbitt 254 like that's just not gonna keep up i don't think um he already has 13 steals he's on pace to uh, surpass 20 steals for the first time since 2019 and he has the best barrel rate of his career at 12 percent um, to me, it's everything about him is just right now underperforming to a, a standard that's just not him. Like even baseline worst case scenario, Francisco Lindor, I think is better than the slash line. So just in fantasy purposes, like I think you'll get a bump up in average. You'll still get the stolen bases and the power. It's not like he's striking out 30% of the time or anything like that. There's no like obvious thing that's going to potentially go down as well. So I think for fantasy purposes, this is a huge bounce back, even though he's still been good. In 20 games before the All-Star break, Francisco Lindor hit 338 with seven home runs, seven stolen bases, 16 RBIs, and 18 runs. He went into the second half on an absolute tear clay and you bringing him up here i mean that bodes well for him going into the second half just being on a tear like that um francisco really needed it because before that yeah he was definitely scuffling like it's crazy to me that i just told you he hit 338 with seven bombs over um and five extra base hits as well beyond the the seven home runs um over a 20 game sample and his and his average on the season is still 238 so it is it is kind of crazy. Um, mine is also a guy that hit well in the first half, and that's Rafael Devers of my Boston Red Sox. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm gonna hype up Devers, but I do have a Red Sox player that I will not be hyping up later in the episode. Um, but Devers hit 251 in the first half. Clay, that is very uncharacteristic. The last time he hit below 280 was back in 2020 in the shortened season hit 263 um but in 2021 he hit 279 in 2022 295 and this year 251 is very uncharacteristic again this is another guy clay who has a 263 babip and has carried a babip well over 300 for his entire career so it seems like there's a lot of bad luck um on devers part and even when you go to expected metrics um like slugging percentage. He has a 490 slugging percentage, but a 546 expected slugging percentage. I think the average is going to creep up here. And despite these struggles, despite him hitting just 251 in the first half, he is fourth in baseball in RBIs right now and has a legitimate chance to, to lead the league in RBIs at the end of the season, which is pretty insane. So I think that the Devers is going to have quite an insane second half. And yes, he was good in the first half, but I think he he's going to have one of the best of the second halves. 
yeah, he is one of my favorite players to watch. And um, he's hitting the ball well, but like you said, there's still room for improvement. He's improved on hitting breaking balls this year, hitting 309 off breaking balls after hitting 269 last year and already has more home runs off of breaking balls than he did all of last year. And um, I love his spray chart. He's one of those players, and, and he was a guy who would like get shifted at times and whatnot, but like, he can still hit to all fields with power. And when I see a player like that, like I will always bound, bet on a bounce back from a player who can hit to all fields with power. And playing in Fenway is uh, definitely advantageous, yeah. but he has been actually the victim of some Fenway uh, fly balls to center field where they go 418 and it's a fly out. And yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah. My next bounce back is Sandy. Sandy is pretty bad. Like how, how else can I possibly put this? He's been pretty bad this year. Now his last outing was good. This and the only note I have down is just having faith. Like that's it. Like we saw how dominant he was last year for Miami. And I still think that that picture is there. I do not know what's going on with him. You know, I haven't done like the super deep dive, but this is one of those typical like, oh, he doesn't say anything. He just says, you know, trust his gut type reactions. But I just don't know how he could possibly be any worse than this. Maybe a week off with a reset is going to help him and he comes back strong. He's just too damn talented to be putting up a five plus ERA. And I know he's not going to strike out the world or anything, but he's one of those like I know we have talked about as like a buy low candidate on a previous episode. Like, and then even after that, he didn't look great. But Colby, like, he has to be better, right? You would you would think he would be better going into this. Sandy Alcantara is a good pitcher. He's. I looked into it before this episode, and I actually went back to his 2022 game logs because I was curious, like, what was he putting up last year? And you know, he was he had one, two, three, four, five, six starts last year where he struck out ten guys or more. I don't think he has one this year, does he? Not one game this so. year has he struck out 10 batters or more. He has nine a few times, but that's been the big thing. He, he has not been able to have those games where he truly dominates. Um, and it's really surprising how bad his changeup has performed this year. His changeup last year, a 146 batting average against a 169 Woba. He allowed not a single home run off of his changeup last year. This year, Clay. A 318 batting average against his changeup, two home runs against, nine doubles. I mean, people are all over his changeup. That's the entire difference right there. And, and I couldn't explain to you why the changeup isn't performing as well. I looked into the movement data. It's moving the same. I don't know if it's a pitch calling thing. I, I don't know if it's a command thing. But yeah, there definitely is something off with Sandy this year. Um I think he certainly could bounce back and it's probably not a bad idea to inquire about Sandy Alcantara because yes, last year he was one of the best pitchers in the game and this year definitely not even close, but I mean, dude, across the league, like Sandy, Zach Wheeler, Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, Pablo Lopez, like all of those guys have ERAs over fours too. It's crazy how many good pitchers there are this year that have ERAs over four. Is Sandy on your so rare team? He is not. For some reason, I thought that he was. No, I mean, I think he's still really expensive. I actually, that could be a good person to look at for so rare. I'm not. I'm not sure. 
Um, but Clay, on my um, second half riser in the pitching department is Hunter Brown. I think Hunter Brown is is going to have a really, really good second half. So last year, in 20 innings, he did not give up a single home run. He had a .89 ERA. All the expected metrics were amazing as well, but he didn't give up a single home run. And I think the baseball gods took notice of that, so they've been punishing him a bit this year. He has a 17% home run per fly ball rate this year. That ranks in the top 20 in baseball. I guess bottom 20, you don't want to be down there. Um, But for a guy that has such a high ground ball rate, a ground ball rate of 55%, I would expect him to be getting out of jams more. I would expect him to not be giving up as many home runs. Um, A 70% left on base percentage seems low for him as well. Um, Hunter Brown, the reason I'm so excited about him in the second half is that he mixes an elite ability to strike batters out, a 28% strikeout rate. He keeps the walks in check enough, 8% walk rate, and as I mentioned, gets a ton of ground balls, 55% ground ball rate. Um, So looking at his numbers, I see 4.12 ERA. I'm like, no way Hunter Brown is a 4.12 ERA guy. I see him more as a 3-2, 3-3 ERA guys, and I think that's what he'll do in the second half this year. Um, the Astros will definitely need competitive innings from Hunter Brown and still a young pitcher figuring things out, but I think he's going to get better here in the second half of 2023. Yeah, I like that pick, and I actually want to talk about his teammate, and that's Christian Javier, and this is a guy that, like, when you look at the data, it's like, I don't really know if there is a bounce back coming. But I want to talk to you because you understand pitching better than me about what's going on with Christian Javier. And if if you own him in your league, what do you even do with him at this point? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about him a few times this year, and I had faith that Christian Javier would be able to bounce back. But he's coming off of what, Clay, an eight earn run outing right yeah. before the break. And you know, I've I have a couple of listeners that that reach out to me on Twitter from time to time with like trade requests, like you know, just asking about would you take this trade? Would you do this? And uh, one of our listeners reached out and said that they traded um, for Christian Javier. I can't remember who they traded, but it was a no brainer trade to me. Um, oh, well, Paxton. They traded Paxton for for Christian Javier. Okay. I said great trade, especially in a keeper league. But it is. Um, the one thing to note with Christian Javier is that fastball this year. The fastball graded out so well last year. Last year, that four-seam fastball had a 183 batting average against a 27% whiff rate. He allowed 11 home runs against the pitch, but yeah, you would expect that on a fastball if you're throwing it so much. And this year um, has not been the same, Clay. He's allowing a 257 batting average, already 11 home runs in just a half season. So I, I don't I don't know. I think if that fastball um grades out on fan graphs as a I believe a 92. Oh, the strobe lights going here. You see that? <laughs> yeah. Um it grades out as a 92 on fan graphs, stuff plus. And I can't remember if it was Aram or if I read this on Twitter somewhere, but his vertical attack angle this year has been different. Like his uh slot that he's throwing out of has been different. So I need to dig into that more, but I don't know if I would necessarily call Christian Javier a bounce. I mean, he's definitely a bounce back candidate. I just don't know if he will bounce back in the second half. He's going to need to change something up, and that might be throwing less fastballs as well. Let's move on to the sell high candidates. 
You want to go first? Uh, yeah, well, I did want to talk about second half risers again real quick. And I think Pablo Lopez is oh. an easy one. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have to like stay on it for too long here, yeah. but it's pretty simple. 3.89 ERA and every single expected metric is well below that. 3.04 XERA, 3.17 FIP. Um, he's. Did you know that he is third in baseball in strikeouts? I had no idea. No. Wow. I think it's third or fourth. But yeah, I mean, I had no idea about that either. He's striking out more than 11 per nine. I think Pablo Lopez should have a really fine second half. I mean, outside of some blow up starts, he he should be having a really good season. So yeah, he's a bounce back for me. I like that. You start us off with fathers, Clay, because I got one that I think will will blow your your skirt up or like get you a little fired up. Blow my skirt. Holy cow. This is a family show. Carlos Estevez is mine. The closer for the angels. And there's a couple of reasons why. First off, Colby off the top of your head. Don't pull it up. What do you think the average exit velo off Carlos Estevez is? Oh, well, if it's not going to be good, I would say 91.5. It's like 91.8. I rounded up to 92. Um, He's also walking 4.6 per nine. He's walking a lot of players or batters. He's giving up hard contact. He's by no way like this guy with some, you know, super good track record. Um, now, granted, he was pitching in Coors Field before this year. 1.8 ERA this year, but a 3.49 expected ERA. I think the Angels are in a spot where they're either going to move some pieces and the season will not go as planned. You know, if they move Otani or, you know, Hunter Renfro or whoever it may be, therefore save opportunities could go down. Or if they wanted to buy, I think that that's a spot that they could upgrade from. They could move him to an eighth inning role or something like that. And now I'm not, I don't know if that's the case. Like they may love him there and whatnot, but there's just too many possibilities here of it going south that I'm willing to move on. And that's exactly what I did. I picked him up in my league from free agency, kept him for a while. And I said, okay, I'm, I feel like I flirted with this enough. I've got to move on. And I decided to trade him last night. So that's a player that I think selling high right now on would be a good idea. Immediately. When I look at his fan graphs page, I immediately go to his left on base percentage, which is 90.9% right now. Last year, Clay, off the top of your head, how many relievers do you think had a left on base percentage greater than 90% last year? 13. Three. Three relievers last year. Edwin Diaz, Ryan Stanek, and Ryan Helsley had a left on base percentage over 90%. And there were only 13 that had a left on base percentage over 85%. So I would very much expect there to be some regression there in terms of left on base percentage. Um, So yeah, there's regression here, Clay. 1.80 ERA versus a 3.49 XERA. You can't go an entire season with a difference of two between those that, that normalizes at some point he's, he's going to be due for some sort of regression, but I don't know if the angels are going to buy Clay. I don't know what their direction is. Yeah. I just don't see him performing as well or like potentially him being in a position to perform as well all right play i didn't tell you this one ahead of time oh no do not hurt me do not come for me listeners of the show let hear me out ellie de la cruz 
is my second half faller. And before I get into this, do not trade him. Do not drop him. Do not do anything of the sorts. Keep him on your team and love him for everything that he is and he's going to be. But Ellie De La Cruz, the man that has a 325 batting average, four home runs and 16 stolen bases through 30 games, first 30 games of his professional career, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff in the second half. But I definitely think he is going to regress from what he is doing right now. And there's a few reasons for this. First of all, he's hitting too many ground balls. 59% ground ball right now, rate right now is third highest in baseball. The top five around Ellie in that ground ball rate is Tim Anderson, Nick Madrigal, Ellie's number three, then Rymel Tapia and Gabriel Moreno. Now, none of the players that I just listed hit the ball as hard as Ellie, right? Ellie can max out at 117, 118 miles an hour off the bat. Ellie is a freak when it comes to his speed. 16 stolen bases in 30 games to start his career is insane and makes him probably a first-round talent in fantasy baseball regardless. All I am trying to say is that Ellie hitting the ball hard is great, but his contact profile, I think, is going to lead him to have some slumps here and there, and he might not get on base at the rate that he has so far in the first 30 games of his career. And one final stat before I let you talk, Clay, is his attack angle is the second lowest in baseball right now. That's behind Eric Hosmer. And credit to Swing Graphs on Twitter for, for that, because I saw that on Twitter, and I thought, whoa, that's interesting. But Ellie's a freaking stud. So do not trade him, do not drop him, anything else. I'm just merely bringing up that he will regress from what he has done in his first 30 great games of his career. No, I I, I can buy that, honestly. I mean, he's going to steal your bags. He has 16 and 30 games. He has power. Now he has four home runs. I think that he has power to, you know, go off on a heater where he could put up a few, you know, four home runs in a week. Like he has that type of talent. The swing and miss, there's concern. Um, he's not as good against lefties. We've seen that. He's he's been improving. Um, he's one of those players I could honestly see going either way. Like I could see him adjusting a little bit and getting better and striking out less. I don't worry as much about the ground balls because of his speed. It's still not great. Don't get me wrong. 59% is way too high because if you hit the ball on the ground, you can't hit it out of the park. So I get what you're saying. Um yeah, I I I kind of thought he would come up and by the end of the year be like a 270 hitter. That's what I thought. Just cuz I thought there would be a lot of struggle with swing and miss in the beginning and um he's already looked better than that, but um you're not crazy. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I mean like look at just to give some merit to this, like look at go to Fangraphs and look at all the projection systems. All of the projection systems have him around 250 to 270 with six to 10 home runs, a ton of stolen bases. And that is absolutely amazing for fantasy value. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm just saying, do not expect him to continue with what he's done in 30 games so far. So in the interest of time, I'm going to do two in a row here. One, I don't think we need to talk about too much. Do you want to just stop talking to me? Is that it? Like, you want to get out of here? You got a hot date? What's going on? I'm trying to allow you to enjoy your vacation. So my two here... Josh Naylor, and this is one I don't think we have to talk about too much because it's pretty simple to me. He's a 250 hitter, 260 hitter. He's hitting 305. Um, 
I mean, he'll bring you some home run pop and whatnot. And he is hitting the ball with a higher launch angle than usual. He's turning some line drives into home runs. That's good. I just don't see him keeping up this 300 average. Like, I think that there'll be a dip who, there. Who are we talking about? Josh Naylor. Okay. The guy who I want to talk about is Lane Thomas, because this is somebody who's been picked up in a lot of leagues. Um, 380 Babbitt, 25% strikeout rate, 40% hard hit rate. Like, I love Lane Thomas against lefties. I think he's the ultimate platoon player, and he's just going out of his mind right now, and he's getting a bit lucky. There's also a chance that he could get traded. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see him get traded, and I don't think that he's getting traded to a contender to be like the everyday four-hole hitter for the Orioles, right? Like that That's not happening. So I could see his playing time decrease. I could see him fall in the lineup. Um, now you could also say, yeah, well, he'll be starting to buy a better lineup, but a 380 Babbitt's just not sustainable. 25% strikeout rate. Like I, I just see him coming down, and I love Lane Thomas too, but I just don't see this being sustainable. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm. Let me look last year, Clay, just to give some merit to this. Is who had the highest BABIP at the end of last year? Any um, guesses? I have no idea. Paul Paul Goldschmidt had the highest. BABIP I was going to say baseball. Alvarez for some reason. Three sixty eight BABIP. Only eight guys had a BABIP above three fifty. Only 15 guys had a BABIP above 340. So it, it's very hard to sustain a BABIP above 330, really. I mean, only 21 guys had a BABIP over 330. That's not a lot. No, That is not a lot no. of guys. So, yeah, I, I would definitely think Lane Thomas is a sell high right now and probably the sell high of sell highs. Outfielders can be very replaceable. He plays for the Nationals, and yeah, I'm with you. I'm right, right with you there. Um. All right, shall I get my second half faller pitchers? Let's do it. Okay, the first pitcher, I told you I was going to crap on a Red Sox player today, and, and here I am doing just that. James Paxton is a guy that I'm targeting as a second half faller this season, and Paxton has been, I mean, phenomenal to start this season for the Red Sox. Came back from injury and has a 2.73 ERA, a 3.15 X ERA, and striking out more than 10 per nine, walking less than two and a half per nine. Like he has returned really to his ace like self that we knew when he was with Seattle. And that's amazing to see. Now, what I really hope happens is that he pitches well for two starts out of the break. The Red Sox trade him for a big time haul, a nice top 100 prospect, maybe some high upside, uh, lower level prospects, whatever it is. But I hope they trade him. Because it is a little concerning. In his last start, Clay, he didn't get a single whiff on his fastball. And the last four starts going into the into the All-Star break, he had a 2.25 ERA, but a 4.41 FIP. The fastball has not been getting as many whiffs as I mentioned. And again, Paxton is always a risk to get injured at some point. So I think that this is a really good time to sell high on James Paxton coming out of the break. He's pitching like his ace-like self, and I think people are starting to forget that that this is a guy that has been injured a ton over the last four seasons, and I don't think people have even caught on that he did only had a single whiff in his last... He didn't have a single whiff on his fastball in his last start, so definitely take notice to see how he comes out of the break, um, but if these concerns you know, are still there, I, I think Paxson is a 
great sell high. Future Cincinnati Red, by the way. Um, I it's kind of hard. First off, you're not getting a top 100 prospect. You're not getting no top 100 prospect. Why? Why not? Because it's James Paxton for a, a rental, like like you mentioned. The All right, then you, you can over. you can go get uh, Erod or any of the other great options that are on the for, yeah. on the portal on the trade portal this year, huh? Yeah, yeah. This trade deadline's about to be just a huge flop. Anyone that's like taken off work to like sit down and watch it all might be disappointed but i mean all right let me rephrase like we're not getting a top 50 prospect for him but like could i see us getting a back-end top 100 guy for james paxton this year potentially okay james paxton if he goes to certain teams his value could drastically change and that's what scares me about any time i own a player who could could get traded now maybe he goes to a better team Maybe he goes to Arizona or, or or something, and you like that because he could get more wins. Um, man, if he went to somewhere like the Reds, like that could hurt his fantasy value because that's a tough place to pitch in. I don't dislike this one, Colby. I don't dislike this one. I I I need to think about it more because I do like Paxton as a player. Um, I mean, here's what I'll here's how I will sell you. A person that maybe isn't bought in yet. And I think a lot of listeners of the show might not be totally bought in yet. And that's totally fine. What I would do is I would make sure to look at his next start. See, all right, how many fastball whiffs did he get? What was the fastball velocity? Okay, looked good. Hold. But I think if he if if he shows that he's not getting fastball outs, that's a big problem for Paxton. True. My last person on my list is Justin Steele. Another player who I like a lot, and it's it has little to do with actually him as a player, um, but more as a fantasy player. Where I think the Cubs are going to sell off some pieces. I, I I don't know, man. Like I'm a little worried about the Cubs being. Do that you think good. they're going to sell? Who are they going to sell though? That's my only thing. Well, like selling Marcus Stroman won't hurt them too much. Cody Bellinger. I, mean, I, I don't guess think they're going to sell Bellinger. You don't think so? Because if they hold on to Bellinger, they can give him the qualifying offer again. If he declines, they get a draft pick. Yeah. And do you think you're going to get a draft pick that's worth... Or do you think you're going to get a trade offer that's worth the same as that draft pick? Because I don't think so. Pro- probably not. That That's an interesting wrinkle I haven't really thought of. But um, this is a guy who doesn't get many strikeouts, but he does not allow hard contact. High ground ball rate... For fantasy purposes only, it's just not exactly the like I I'm seeing this as a sell high. So like I think I can capitalize on Justin Steele and get back a return that I could never have gotten for him before the season. I just don't see him pitching to this level for the rest of the year. So for me, it's if I can bring back two players for him that are, you know, may, maybe somebody on our bounce back list, even I would do that. Um, I just don't, you know, there's not a lot of strike out there. I don't know, man. I, I, I would rather sell high and bring back a player or two. I mean, I think that is, that is the point to emphasize clay with Justin Steele is you're truly selling high. Like yeah. he has been incredible this year. Yeah. He has an ERA of what, what is his ERA right now? Do you have it up? I have it up right now. 
2.56 ERA, a 2.86 FIP, 3.18 XERA. That's my whole thing is capitalizing on that. And maybe I'm a little butthurt because I had a few players early in the year I should have sold high on and didn't, and I'm kicking myself. But I see Justin Steele, and I think this is such a good potential return to get right now. I mean, right now is the time of the year where you as a fantasy owner have to look at your team and go, okay, where am I in the standings? All right, do I have enough to to go for it? Okay, I do. If I don't have enough to go for it, it might be time to start selling. Especially, if, and you know, if you play in a redraft league, it's kind of tough to do that. But if you're in a if you're in a even slight keeper league, like definitely start thinking about that because Justin Steele could command a huge haul right now. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've been doing right now. I'm I'm shopping guys around. I'm uh, currently preparing for Clay. We do our first year or not first year player draft. Um. We do like a mid-season farm update. So one of the leagues I play in, we have five um, five farm spots. So yeah. I have Yuri in that right now. Costas is in one of those spots. And uh, I can't remember the the other. But I have two spots open going to the draft. So I think I'm, I have the second overall pick. I think I'm going to take Junior Caminero of the Rays. Yep. And we'll see what happens with that second pick. But this is like the time where you can draft the guys that were just drafted. So like Dylan Cruz, Skeens, all those guys will be available. Um, but yeah, it's the time to start thinking about trade deadline. But I don't know, man. Justin Steele has been freaking good. And he doesn't have hard contact. Over under three ERA at the end of the year. Over under three? Uh-huh. Under. Okay. I don't see him getting blown up. Like he doesn't allow hard contact. I know. I know. It's... I don't know. Um, like it, it's tough to sell me on selling Steele when he just doesn't allow hard contact, doesn't walk guys, strikes out enough. I don't know. Justin Steele, friend of the just baseball show, by the way. Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. Justin Steele. Just I know we don't want to talk about him forever, but I mean, I had a three point one last year with a three five nine FIP, or excuse me, a three two zero FIP. Yeah. Why were we not all over Justin Steele coming into this year and a ground ball rate over 50% last year? I mean, I blame us for kind of sleeping on Justin Steele. <laughs> we suck, dude. I was asleep on the Justin Steele train. I don't have one share of him, but to end this episode real quick, John Gray finally is regressing. And I will, uh, I, mean, I, I say finally, like I hate him, but yeah. I have I was betting on against him for a month and a half. And I was like, you know, the progression's coming for for Mr. Gray. And it finally did going into the second half. Um, he gave up 15 earned runs over 19 and a third in his last four starts before uh going into the break. And his strikeout rate was horrible. I just don't see him continuing to be good in the second half here. So sell I'm John him. Gray fan, but he has a 3.29 ERA. I think I mean I'm a fan of catch... him as a player. I don't know if I feel no, I know. Him. And I think you can catch somebody sleeping here. 3.29 ERA, a 4.26 XERA, and a 4.37 FIP. I mean, now is the time to sell. If you don't sell, you're gonna end up dropping him. So is that it? Just fantasy baseball. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we'll be back on Sunday. Waiver wire first waiver wire episode of the second half. Hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we did. We love talking to y'all. So enjoy your weekend and we'll talk to you next time. Adios.